0: Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron.
1: Okay, Michael, we got it here. Wow, he he has the power over there to zap preachers. Is it working? Are you on? End, it's working. There it goes. Wow, it is working, wow. So, anyway, good to be here this morning. Are you glad to be here this morning? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to gather together. But you know what, I always want to remind you, it's not the only thing. Uh, we got six other days of the week to seek Him out and know who He is. Amen? Amen? It's... Um, It's amazing journey, uh, Galatians. I'll tell you a little bit about that journey. Uh, When I got born again, the guy that led me to Jesus Christ, and I called him up, and he's in Franklin, Pennsylvania, and he says, I'm glad because I came to Christ from a letter he wrote me. And so I called him to let him know. My response to his letter is that I bowed down and gave my life to Jesus. And then he told me, he says, wonderful news. I am just so happy and elated that you gave your life to Jesus. Now I want you to get in your car and drive to Franklin, Pennsylvania. And I want to spend a whole week with you. So I listened to what he said, got in my car, drove all the way to P- Franklin, Pennsylvania. And uh, it's amazing because it was a full week with Earl Tiger. It was a full week with this man of God that was uh, actually he was a fir- just weeks after World War II ended. He was in Tokyo sharing Jesus with the Japanese people. He was bilingual. He was fluent in Japanese, and he led thousands upon thousands of Japanese to Christ. Because their leader, who was almost to the level of a god, failed them, and they are wondering what what's next, where to go to. Well, when I arrived in Franklin, Pennsylvania, when I arrived in Franklin, Pennsylvania, he took me, and I I wish I had Jerry here with my phone, because Nancy and I went there this year to actually show him that there actually was a place I went to and found out his son now is is running the ministry. And he took me throughout the whole building and showed me a room where I possibly was, because he, he has this huge building on top of a mountain And he opens it up to conferences and for Christians to come together, gather, learn more about Jesus and grow in their faith. So he put me in a room and he showed me the room. And he says, uh, early in the morning, I expect that you'll be at breakfast with me because for the next week you are spending every waking moment with me. And doing, seeing what I'm doing, know what I'm doing, and see me ministering, and, and you're gonna be just like side by side with me for the next seven days. You know what? I was, I was I thinking, I was even dreaming about it last night. And I said, You know, for all the time I spent there, I can't remember a lot of it. Because he gave me an assignment right day one he gave me assignment he says I'm going to give you hours to be in, that, in your room but when you're in that room I want you to understand and know the message of Galatians you know, it's, it's, you know you, first Peter is my favorite book the Bible but there's a lot of insightful things going on in Galatians that churches would do well to learn and to know so I remember going verse by verse verse by verse and, and also trying, I was a new Christian. I had really a very limited knowledge of the word of God. I, I, except for before going to him, uh, when the day I gave my life to Jesus was the day I hopped in my car and went to our farm in Indiana. And I didn't come home until I read the whole New Testament. And it, and I kind of got bogged down in the Revelations. I made it to about chapter three, and I said it's time to go home. And uh, and and but but because my parents because my parents said uh, wanted me to have somewhat of a Christian education because they they did not want to depart from the Eastern Orthodox Church and that's what they're involved in, and there was nothing available around town except a small, two-room church, and it was Lutheran. Now, if you know anything about being part of a Lutheran school, it was forced memorization of the word, and which, growing up, I departed from. But when I got born again, and I read the whole New Testament, those verses I memorized, pulled out in context. I said, "Wow! It was a wow experience. Wow!" So, uh, not, saying not didn't have a full working knowledge of the scriptures is sort of true, but it was like, but it was like going through this fasting and four or five days in reading the whole new testament and getting wild. and then he said let's get specific i want you to know what's in galatians and at the end of the week at the end of the week he uh he pulled me with two or three other men in the circle and he said uh before you go home we're going to pray that you have an encounter with the holy spirit and they prayed for that. And and really, nothing hooping, hollering happened except for one thing. When I got home, the next time I opened the Bible up, it just... Choo, I said, I was hearing things in my heart that that were so alive. See, the Word of God is alive, right? It's alive. You know, that's why... Any of us that will mark up the mark up our Bibles, and sometimes I grab my old Bible and I that, and I mark something and I say, "What in the world was that about?" I couldn't remember because God's Word is living and it's new every day. It's refreshing, like a spring coming out of the, out of the earth, and it, it's something that God wants us. To be aware of and had knowledge of. See, when we go through difficult times, what the deal? The real deal is, do you know who you are? And we're going to get into a little bit of that in Galatians chapter one. But first, it occurred to me. I said to myself, I hear gospel, 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 and so I, I wanted to look up Webster's definition of gospel. What does the word gospel mean? And it means the teaching and revelation of Jesus Christ. There's no gospel of Buddha, there's no gospel of Muhammad, there's no. It's specific to this person called Jesus Christ. And it's about him, what he teaches, and the revelation of who he is. Who he is. Well, Paul, Paul encountered him when he was out to do harm to the church. And Galatians gives us, and we're going to look at it coming away, but in the book of Acts, we have all these things. And actually, we have things written down in all of Scripture. And I always ask that people challenge you in this life. You know, sometimes we get to places, Christians, man, boom, 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 things should be happening all the time. But we we don't understand... And we're going to see this when we look at Galatians chapter 1, that in Acts, when it talks to events, we see this event and then we see this event and don't realize between that event and this event, there was years took place. So what's happening in those years? Do we question when we have these kind of nothing happening moments? Is there something happening? I want to challenge you. There should be. But it's about you and your Savior Jesus and your relationship with your Father. There ought to be something happening there all the time. And then the manifestations may be, there may be time passes between. By the way, before we get started, how many have listened to Bill Johnson's sermon just three or four days after his wife passed? Anybody? How many here have listened to that? All right. I want to encourage you. I don't think, I wonder if something happened to Nancy whether I could come here next Sunday and preach. But Holy Spirit encouraged him to come before his church And preach a a sermon, but it was more like a fireside talk. Come to his church just four days after his wife passed away, and they had all the hopes that she'd be healed and everything. But her time ended, and he came. I would encourage you if look it up on YouTube. It's about a 40-minute talk. It's amazing. It's amazing. That this man of God could stand up before his congregation just four days after his wife passed away. It's really good. Galatians chapter 1 Paul, an apostle, sent f- not from men nor by men, but by Jesus Christ, the God and Father who raised him from the dead to all the brothers and sisters with me. You know, your relationship is about you and him. And and we're going to find out as we walk through life, uh, we're not looking for the accolades of men and women, but we're looking to please him, follow him, and do what he says. And so Paul's opening statement, and he says grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever and ever. This book that we're about to study in the weeks to come is all about a full understanding of his grace a full understanding of his grace and and in that full understanding of his grace you and I can continually enter in his supernatural peace and we're going to find out why we're going to find out why for and then he goes on to the Correction and give you a kind of an overview of what's happening here uh, Jesus, of course, was born into a Jewish family uh, he was a sacrifice promised for the Jewish nations and all other people and what happened was in the early church was that that uh, they called him Judaizers and 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 then and, and this connection with Jesus with Paul talks about his own qualifications is that you know what come to Christ be loved and forgiven and keep the law and and he's saying well we're going to follow as we get through this letter that he met all he already met all the requirements of the law so now he goes and this is opening saying I'm astonished that you so quickly Deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. It's Jesus plus. For us, it's Jesus and Him alone. And He says, He says, which is no gospel at all. Eventually, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert. The gospel of Christ. But even if an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, let them be under God's curse. That You know, Paul is kind of daring here, you know. So he says that, as you all, as I've already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let him be under God's curse. It's an uh, amazing grace, isn't it? It's song we know. How, how sweet, sweet it is. That God would find a way to bring me, a wretch, into relationship with Him, a holy God. It's a, a, And Paul starts building his case, and going on to verse 10, I'm now trying, am I now trying to be a, have approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I am still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And then he goes on to say, And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from a man, nor was I taught it, whether I received it by a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what he's trying to say, Eric, you, you, we all know the story, uh, and, and we all know who Paul was, because the the scriptures later on will tell us who he is. As far as as far as living or attempting to live a righteous life, he he was superior. He he didn't try to miss anything. So. When it came to coming to know what Jesus accomplished on the cross and, and, and it coming to know that, that he is the one that paid the complete price for our sins and redemption. And when it comes to know the truth of what he accomplished on the cross, he ran into opposition. He ran into opposition, and he tried to tell the story over and over again. And what he's saying here: uh, I was on assignment to shut the gospel message down, and I got knocked off a horse, and and I was I had a revelation of who Jesus is because he came to me personally and said Paul, Paul why are you persecuting me? And he had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was and what his whole plan was and why God sent him to our realm to pay for something we could never accomplish on our own. Right? So he says, so so he said, um, for you have heard of my previous life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my Father. And what we're going to learn later, uh, when others teach through Galatians, he's saying, uh, where does relation come from? Uh, What he was doing in his former life, making sure every jot and tittle, he was making sure every he was very careful to follow all the rules, or does it come by faith? How, how does justification come through? Our, our works or what he did? And, and, and we're going to get more detail as, as, we, as we go through our journey through Galatians. But he said, but, but when God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, Was pleased. I revealed his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. He had a call. He had a call, and he he defines it later on in the book. He said, Peter was called to the house of Israel, I was called to the Gentiles. What was the problem? What was happening is, is the Jews were trying to make the Gentiles become like they were, and he, and you were saying they're they're missing the whole point. They're only missing the whole point why Messiah came, why why Jesus uh, submitted to, to, to be uh, whipped, beaten, lied about put on a cross and, but of course the message is he defined who he, defining who he was, was resurrection. And uh, so, so Paul goes on. Well, here—that's here, where, that's where I want intersection, intersection here. Just a pause from Galatians, and we got to take a look at the book of Acts to find out some information we need to know to get the full value of what he's writing to the Galatians. Let me make a comment. There's some very exciting things that happen in the church between chapter 1 and chapter 8 of Acts. You might say things are going pretty good. At Pentecost, thousands got saved. People were healed. People, all, all kinds of activity was happening with the apostles. Chapter 1 chapter to chapter 8. Everything's going good. The word's getting out. The gospel's spreading around the world. But um, chapter 9, in chapter 9, somebody else is added into the equation. And his name at that time was Saul. And that's us uh, and, and it says in chapter 9, 19 to 22, and, and before that, we're talking about, about you know, uh, Paul's knocked off his horse, he's blind, he's sitting in town, and God calls a person called Ananias, he said, go to Paul, go to Paul, and uh, pray for him that, that he'll receive his sight. Very interesting thing is, uh, and he said, Wait, God, come on, God. You know, this dude, he can't, he can't, he could have changed. He's out to get us, he's out to destroy and stop the movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You got to be kidding me of all the guys that you think, that you think I should go to. And, And God said, Hold on, hold on, hold on you go, you listen to what I said, you go to him because I got great plans for him to take the message out beyond the Jewish community to the Gentiles of the world. And by the way, you know, I'm going to teach him how to handle adversity. How are you handling adversity? God said, I'm going to teach him how to handle adversity. So before these verses, he he goes to where he finds Paul, where he's supposed to be, and he's sitting there blind. And and he wasn't disobedient. He wasn't disobedient, but he didn't go, here, Paul, I'm here, bro. Be healed of eyes, vision, back again. He said he did two things. prayed that his vision would return and that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. We're going to take a little look at a brand new believer. Can you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? Can you remember what happened when you gave your life to Jesus? Can you remember that, the excitement that came in your heart when you became a new believer? Let's, let's look, take a look at Paul after his conversion, verse 19, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogue with, that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on the name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jewish, the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, there's a big gap here. There's a big gap of time here. And what's what's happening, what's happening, what's saying is he received huge opposition. And, And the question is, it may not be for all of us, but what do you do when things don't work out and you, you come up with what they say, a brick wall. And you come up to opposition. And, and, and you're, you're in a situation. Here's a new, he's a new believer, and he, it says he's preaching in power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And he, he is really hyped up. He's all excited. And in that excitement... Come on! Everybody loves me. No, they hate him, and they're angry with him. In fact, they're let's figure out a way to assassinate Paul. That's heavy-duty opposition. So what do you do? In Acts it says, and when he came to Jerusalem, do you know between this brand-new believer this brand new believer in Damascus, all excited about knowing Jesus, getting a huge amount of opposition in Acts, it says, and then when he came to Jerusalem. Well, let's look at his revelation of what happened between getting a huge opposition and almost the wind blown out of it. I'm all excited about this. And then people rise up. They even want to find a way to kill him. Back to Galatians. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who are apostles. Before I, before I was, I went to Arabia, later returned to Damas, Damascus, And after three years I went up to Jerusalem. Acts. I'm excited. Newfound faith. Let everybody know. Opposition. And then he goes to Arabia for three years to be discipled by Jesus Christ. Very important to be Founded in the in relationship, and and you know it, it's uh it's all excited about you know it, it was said to me, I man I I got pumped up when I got found Jesus and I was just in this terrible sinful life and I went to the farm and read the whole new whole New Testament I was pumped up man, and then people were telling my parents that. It's all gonna fizzle. It's it's only a short term thing. You know what? It wasn't. I encountered a God that loved me so much and loved a sinner like me and redeemed me and and delivered me from all the crazy stuff I was doing and and affirming his love for me and 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 it, it, was, it was an ongoing... What I'm trying to say is, guys, uh, get excited about Jesus, but also get intimate with Him. Get excited about Jesus and knowing that opposition will come, but you can face the opposition if you're in a solid relationship with Him. And before three years... Here's this guy so excited about, about his newfound faith in Jesus. Man, I got knocked off the horse. Jesus himself revealed himself to me. And man, I caught the vision of I, I, it, it's, it's not by works of the law that saves me. I could, I could never be good enough. I needed the blood of Jesus to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And he's talking from a perspective of a man that thought he had it all going for him. Man, he, he's, he's the kind of guy who would almost be in, G, in Jesus' illustration uh, of looking at these guys and calling them uh, whitewashed sepulchers. I mean, he was better than that because he was really trying to fulfill the law at every point. And yet this man, Paul, who had it, thought he had it all going by, by, uh, by submission to the law, for him to wake up and say that wasn't good enough, I was—I was telling my brother here. He said, "I said we had this guy, David Powell. He says he knew how to say that all his righteousness was rubbish, right? He was a guy from England. My brother here's from England, so he's uh, hes a—he—he uh, he would say, you know, Paul came to that place where." Everything, I thought I was getting everything right. And when I saw the Son of God come to me, I realized that everything that was going for me wasn't good enough to be in complete relationship with the Father. So what did he say? Between the book of Acts, talking about Damascus, persecution, There's three years of getting to know Jesus. I went up to Jerusalem, got acquainted with Cephas, stayed with him for 15 days. I saw no other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. He goes this, I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Then I spent, went to Syria and Cilicia and I was personally unknown to the church in Judea that I was in Christ. They only heard a report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God before me. In uh, in closing here, all of us are a work in progress. All of us are a, in a need to know that our righteousness is a gift. It's not a performance. It's it's uh, not just going to one another and say Polish mother, I got the badge man I, I'm, I'm doing fine I hope you are too no we're all if, if that were true Paul in the description of himself he would never needed to be saved because he really felt he was good enough to be accepted by the Father. Until he face to face, eye to eye with Jesus knew that he needed the full plan of God. It was written in the Old Testament that God would send his son to be the perfect sacrifice for you and me. And I love what it says here. They only heard the report the man was formally persecuting us. Hey, hey guys, we're not what we used to be. You hear me? We're not. Don't reflect on what you used to be. Acknowledge who you are. You are a greatly loved, precious child of God if you've given your life to Jesus. You are a person that you can have access to his love even in your darkest moment. You are qualified not by your own effort, but by what he did. You are a, a workmanship of the Almighty. You know, the, sometimes the scripture defines it as a potter making a beautiful pot. Hey, do you do that circle thing too? Yes. Oh, you know all about it. Wow. Yeah, where well, it was a blob, comes something beautiful. I was a blob, and he's making something beautiful out of me. How do you like that? I mean, it was really amazing. But it's uh But you, you are, uh, you are not defined by who you were. You know, and and so so many times we we can struggle with that. We could say, you know, I I look back and say. W- what all the stuff i regret i did i ever did stuff but it got i'm washed i'm clean i'm sanctified i'm 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 beautiful in his eyes you 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 see yourself as beautiful in his eyes i i'm i i am been released i I, I was downstairs showing my my uh, goddaughter. You're amazing. Showing them our basin, and we had this one place where chains are being broken off, and there's a beautiful pot. You gotta come over my house and see that pot. It's it's a it's a crack pot. Maybe somebody would call me a crack pot. I mean, but it's a it's a beautiful pot, but it has a crack. There's a crack in it. But the amazing thing about the artists that drew that in our basement, this crackpot is emitting light. I'm saying God wants you not to put yourself down, but call out who he made you. Define for yourself who He made you. I, I'm not a person. You are not a person counting your failures. I, I, I it's um. Before I gave a, gave, gave a became a Christian, yeah. you know I I was aware <laughs> of, of sin, and. And it was starting to consume me. But I don't know why I'm sharing this. this Nancy doesn't even know this either. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, but I, I started logging down every time I failed God. And I started making a calendar, logging down. And then I'd look at, once I got past the month, I'd, I'd look and say, yikes, I'm a total failure. Man, am I messed up. Next month, I'll do better. So I work on it. Work on it. I'm going to do better. And, and the log filled up again. I said, man, alive, God must really be uh, not pleased with me. Look at me. I, I came and get this stuff straight. Now I was logging down everything. Well, I, I lied today. I mean, psh, mark it down. I was was counting my transgressions. Thinking, thinking that by logging it all down that somehow I'll get a grip on it and have success. Except one thing I didn't count on. When you start logging down your mess ups, it brings you into bondage to the mess-ups. I I knew in those young years, and and I'm talking about this is when I was like eighth grade, high school and stuff like that. And finally, I I stopped. I said, forget it. I can't do anything about it. And I might as well just live my life and forget everything. Forget God. Forget everything I've learned. I... I, I, I can't get a handle on it anyhow, so I might as well just give up and quit, quit. just do, what I, do what's right for me and, and just hope for the best. That didn't work either. That didn't work either. Quit counting it didn't work until, back to the story, that I began with when I got a letter. We got time, we, I got time for this. Let's go behind the letter. Uh, I visited this missionary from Japan, for Japan. I visited him twice and then came back a, a third time this, within the year with Nancy to just see if it still was there. And it was still there. So the first time I came there, uh, one, one of the ladies I had an improper relationship with called me in Chicago and said, Byron, I'm in Franklin, Pennsylvania. Wow, that, when are you coming to Chicago? Oh, no, no. Shh, I don't want the guy to hear me. But could you come me? come to Franklin Pennsylvania and get me out of this place? I said, Lynn, sure I will. The next morning, I hopped in my car and drove all the way to Franklin Pennsylvania. Not a long, not a not a short trip. It's a good nine-hour trip to get there, get there because uh, I wanted to save her from the bondage of Jesus. So, and I knew, I knew when I picked her up, we, we, we sinned together. And I said, and here's this guy trying to reach Lynn for Jesus Christ. And I come from a Christian family, drive eight or nine hours to get her out of the god environment to satisfy my own flesh what a guy will do right <laughs> so then I, I got a letter here you know it's uh there's no time to play play with the gospel cuz i i had enough knowledge about Jesus, when I went to pick up Lena and get her out of this place, out of she asked me, "Get me out of here!" So Earl Tiger, the guy who led me to Christ, says, uh, "Are you a believer?" "Oh yeah." How many are claiming to be believers and living like hell? They're following Jesus and living for the devil. But I knew I knew the the language. Oh yeah, Brother Earl. I'll take Lynn and I'll get her back to Chicago and everything will be fine. Oh yeah, I'm a believer. Yes, oh, I'm a believer. And that old guy looked at me and he said, eh. Nah. Not sure about that. Not sure about that. So I get home, get her on the airplane because she lived in San Francisco, and all of a sudden I get a letter. I read a letter at my desk. Yikes. Who am I trying to fool? God loves me. And in that letter, in that moment, the Holy Spirit revealed to me Jesus. I read that letter and I had to run to a secret place that happened to be a bathroom. Sat on a toilet, wept, and gave my life to Jesus. What you heard earlier in the message was my second trip to Franklin, Pennsylvania. And Nancy and I met Earl's son and I told him, I came once to this massive building to save somebody from God and to fulfill the lust of my flesh. But I came a second time to know more about who Jesus is. The goal of our life is to grow so close to Him that you and I can face any opposition. How big is our God? How big is He? How amazing is He? He, he, He's he says he's the God that will make our impossibles possible. And in closing, what's between the lines between Damascus and Jerusalem? Three years of him getting acquainted with Jesus. And if we read the rest of the book of Acts, uh, he was never, ever again in any form or kind of retreat mode. You hear me out? We need to get so close to Jesus when the impossibles come into our life, we'll never go into any kind of retreat mode, but we'll go like like to Lord. I want to know more of who you are. I want to know that you're the God of my impossibles. I want to know, I want to know you that way. And I want to know you're the God that's way greater than my regrets. Amen. Amen. I hope, I hope this is a good start for all of us in the book of Galatians. There's so much we're going to learn from our other teachers here at the church about the, the fullness of why this man, Earl Tiger said, Byron, know what Galatians says. Know your identity. Know you've been bought with a price. Know the God that loves you very, very much. And he'll always take you through victorious of all your impossibilities. And as fine as getting ready if you're on Zoom and you don't know him and uh, I I don't think any of us are playing like we're Christians but I want to reassure you that he loves us, has a plan for us and he's the God the only method Of having unbroken relationship with the Father is the trust in his amazing love and what he accomplished by shedding his blood on a cross. And he affirmed that he is, he is who he says he is when he came out of the grave with by the power of God, once dead, now alive. And guys, he really is alive. He—he's not sleep. He's the God that never sleeps nor slumbers. He's the God that will take all of us through all the impossibilities of life. He's the God about change and deliverance and help. He's worthy of our worship. Find somebody to lead us in a worship song. And these words come for us, but true, wor- true worship, guys, comes much deeper than a song. Much deeper than the words we could say. And God's looking for true worshipers that will bow down to him and say, you know what? I can't do life without you. I I I I I just can't be strong enough without you. As we sing a worship song and follow Find's leading here, he's looking at us for us out of the depth of our hearts. Say, you're my everything. You're everything to me. You're my everything. You're you're my hope. You're my help. Man, I can't live another day without you. I can't live another day in self-effort. I bow to you. And that's got to come from our innermost being as we worship him. You ready for that? Amen, my brother. I love you fine.
0: This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I pray the Lord uses today's message by Pastor Byron to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site, so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Place podcast. God bless you, and have a great week.